It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, a special guest, John Burr. He's a famed voiceover coach, and he has a new book out. It's called The Voiceover Actor's Handbook, How to Analyze, Interpret, and Deliver Scripts. People are going to love it because people are saying it's the missing key in their library as far as learning how to succeed in voiceovers. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, and thank you for inviting me into your home. You're very welcome. <laughs> a long story on that, but it's it's never happened to me before. But, um, you know, you're a real pro, and people, once again, are pointing out that this book is something very important. And why? Well, the reason is it focuses on the English language. It focuses on things that our teachers taught us in school, in elementary, high school, you name it. Uh, the English language and understanding how to interpret a script, you say not about reading a script, but interpreting a script. Why is this book so important to people? Well, I, th- I think it's, it's kind of a different application of the principles we learned in school. Um, I, over the last 15 years or so, I've become acutely aware, <clears throat> before I wrote the book, I um, made a lot of notes uh, through the years in my lessons. And use those notes to to put the book together. But the more I got into this and the more I thought about how English language dynamics affects the affects the delivery of something, it makes it more theatrical, it makes it more real, it makes it more logical, um, and really puts forth the meaning of the script in a way that would not happen if you didn't understand these things. A lot of times we hear these great voices, whether movie trailers or radio or television commercials, but not really know what goes into it. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure a lot of people, Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think the appeal is or why do you think people get into voiceovers? You get a lot of calls from people saying, hey, I want to learn voiceovers. I mean, what are three different reasons people want to get into this field? Well, number one, they love the idea you can work at home. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, because most of the work is is uh, is gone after from the home and done in the home via the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, usually by uh, well, it's most of the time by belonging to one of the uh, online networking sites like Voices dot com or Voice One Two Three and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So. That's um, pretty much the way that works. Um, now, another reason why people want to do it is they've been told they have a good voice by many people. Right. A lot of people will say, you got a great voice. Why don't you do voiceovers? Why don't you get... Well, they don't even, they don't even say that. They say, uh, why don't you get on the radio? <laughs> uh, why don't you get on TV? You know. <laughs> and so right away, people think, well, am I going to get into broadcast? This is not broadcast. This yeah. is what we call the freelance voiceover market. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in broadcast, you're usually a, an anchor or a weatherman or a um, or a DJ, uh, something like that. And of course, so much of that is automated these days too. I mean, the whole the whole industry is bad industry radio. Oh yeah, going to see change, no yeah. question. Yeah. So um, that that's another reason why mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> why that happens. Um, I think a third reason is 
the the idea of doing something you really love. Of, of a lot of people love to read who do this, and and a lot of people have been moved by people they've heard on the air, and they like the idea of doing something they really love, and something that's challenging. And God knows this is challenging. It's mm-hmm. very challenging. There are a lot of scripts in here, and. You know, you can go someplace, you can move people with a human voice. People have done that. Uh, you just listen to it. Maybe everyone wants to sound like Morgan Freeman today or a movie trailer. But uh, I imagine there's a lot of feeling and, and emotion that you could pour into interpreting a script. Is that also one of the reasons? Oh, yeah. Emotion is a magic word for me. You know, it, and I always say to my students whenever they're looking at a script, I said, consider the kind of emotion this script demands from you is this something that's really flying off the wall you know like a like a another twenty thousand dollar car ad um i don't mean that is a fee for twenty thousand dollars <laughs> i mean the car is twenty nine twenty thousand dollars um but that that certainly is one of the considerations um and and saying um, is this an angry piece? Is this a focused piece? Is it soft? Is it loud? Is it um, high-spirited? Is it sad? Um, does it reminisce? Is it happy-go-lucky? Whatever. So you know, you're saying there's more than just rip and read, right? In, in oh other yeah, words, oh you, yeah. you've really... Do people yeah. underestimate how much preparation there is and how many oh yeah. nuances there yeah. are in... Yeah delivering a script or interpreting a yep. script. That's what makes you so good. You know, Woody Allen, when he said, those that can't do teach and those that can't teach, teach Jim. That's, <laughs> that's what he said, right? But you've yeah. done both. Yeah. You've done, yeah. you've been on the other end yeah. of the mic. Yeah. Um, but that's where you come in as far as teaching us the nuances of the human language. So what are some, in reading your book, what are some of the things that people say about what they learned about the, the English language they didn't know before? And it really helped them with voiceovers. Well, it's certainly in understanding where to emphasize words, how to pitch them up, how to pitch them down, where to pitch them up, where to pitch them down, where to slow down, where to speed up, um, and and, and uh, taking your time with the read, um, making sure that everything is understood. Um, I mean, there's so many aspects to this that, uh, I mean, there's practically a chapter for every one of those things. And... Hopefully, uh, I'd love to have a student get all of it, um, <clears throat> but it, it's a reference book. You know, it's yeah. a, it's a kind of thing, um, which isn't a whole lot of fun to write, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> reference books are very different from something that's telling a story or fiction or what have you. But um, it's it's um, um, it's very important to to understand what you're reading. What, what's going on with the script. And so many people, when they read, they don't think about what the script mm-hmm. really means. You know, somebody's having trouble with a, with a sentence and they're hitting all the wrong words. And I mean, or they're timing or they're going through something. Uh, their the timing sense of the thing is wrong. They're not pausing in the right place or something. And I, I look in the eye and say, you don't know what this thing means. Mm. You know, you don't understand. You're not thinking about what does this mean? Right. How can you possibly read a line you don't understand the meaning of? And that, that's what most people do when they read. 
I think of how many times, uh, you know. Read out and, loud. I have to make that distinction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think of how many times people would communicate with me, and I would mm-hmm. just nod my head saying, mm-hmm. yes, I understand. And I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. And it makes you think that, you know, we communicate mm-hmm. without really thinking about mm-hmm. what we're actually saying mm-hmm. and to whom the message is going toward. Mm-hmm. And so you say this is a difficult, you know, right, it's a difficult book to write. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so uh, I think one of the reasons is that you have to really think about it. There are people out there who know all this stuff and they're great at what they do in voiceovers, but it's hard to actually take these nuances and put it into a book. Why is that? Well, you have to come up with examples for one thing. Yeah. I mean, I, coming up with all the different ways to illustrate this and coming up with, with, uh, I, there's some, I don't know, I think roughly 240, 250 uh, sections of examples on mm-hmm. the, on the uh, access page on my website that you get from the book uh, for, for recorded examples that illustrate. And, of course, they're in the book, but, but I thought it would be very useful for them to hear it, hear somebody doing it. So I did that, and several of my students did that, too. You have a section in your book, too, that talks about how to pronounce, I guess, standard American English. I, mm-hmm. I went to seminary, and there was a seminary professor who said, gentlemen, there are a couple of words that are getting in the way between you and your audience. And he was talking to people from Kentucky and Mississippi, and he says, number one, the word is get, not get. So you mentioned a lot of the mistakes and, and bad habits mm-hmm. that we get mm-hmm. into uh these are all things this all came out of of what i picked up in my lessons from from my students mm-hmm. um every one of those things in that chapter um about mispronouncing words i've known I you have heard in lessons i've known you just a short time okay but you're a fun guy you you like to have a lot of fun and you know do we have to loosen up and have fun when we do voiceovers i mean yeah yeah but i think I think uh, it depends on what you're reading. You know, again, it puts the emotion of the piece. There's some mm. pieces that are very loosey-goosey, yeah. and, and you want to be loosey-goosey. Uh, some people get loosey-goosey easier than others get loosey-goosey. Goosey-loosey. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, but but uh, um, there are other pieces that are, that are full of outrage, that are full of anger, that are full of, of, of uh, sadness. I mean, you've got to look at everything that you, you're dealing with here and, and saying, what, what's the mood of this piece? And that's what I say to my students, figure out what that mood is. If you don't figure that out in advance, um, in, incidentally, pursuit, <laughs> pursuant to that, um, I've had many, many people come in here and, and I'll say, read something for me. And right away, they'll, they'll pull up the page and start reading. Mm. And I say, no, 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 no. Think about this thing before you do it. Even if you've been rehearsing it 50 times, I want you to, you know, it's new today. You know, you just pull it out of your your portfolio and put it up there to, to uh, interpret for me or someone, um, in this case me, um, and I want you to think about it, what it means again, all over again. And the next thing, of course, is, is to mark it. And you, as you're going over it, if you have a new script, where am I going to pause? I want to be able to breathe. I want to make sense out of the phrasing of this thing. And then you mark places where you're going to accentuate the words. And if you're going to lift, you, you do a, a cone uh, on a syllable where you want to 
go upward, you go with an upward cone pointing up and a downward cone pointing down. Um, and I think any time you do a script, and to this day, you know, as long as I've been doing this, if I were working for a producer, director in a session, I would make very sure before I did this, or even if I'm working for myself and coaching myself, uh, I'd make sure that I had all of those things under control and that I marked the script because there's too much pressure in the moment not to do that. John, to think for a minute that people think they can do this without a coach is ludicrous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm listening to all these different nuances. You spent mm -hmm. your life, life's work, and you're one of the top voiceover coaches in the country. And do you, does it upset you that people think they could do this without a coach? Yeah. 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 Anyone ever su succeed without a coach? I haven't seen one yet. Yeah. No. Um, the idea is, um, I mean, of course, all the early voiceover people may have had some acting training, but they kind of got into this for the years of experience, mm. but they were in it when there wasn't a lot of competition. I mean, if you were working in Bangor, Maine at a local radio station or, or you were working on, uh, you know, whatever you're doing uh, in the early days of, of voiceover, even people were were uh, the only game in town. I remember when I first got started in Washington, D.C., and I opened my recording studio in 1974, there was just a handful of people doing this. And now just in the, the uh, uh, among the union people, the after SAG people, for example, um, they put out a, a package. It used to be on CD. I think it still is, but it's, it's online if it isn't on CD anymore. But they put it out. And when they first started it, maybe there were, oh, I don't know, maybe 30 women, 30 men. Now there are over 200 together. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was significant. Is it easier now? I mean, you mentioned uh, there's Voices123 or Voice.com, uh, these different pay-to-play websites. Does it muddy the waters that people can take a crack at this and try to get into voiceovers? Oh, sure. or well, it, not only that, but there are a lot of voiceover mills yeah. that uh, drag people in and coach them over a weekend and and put out a demo that's, that's uh, and they're nowhere near ready for a demo. Right. You know, they, they spend a weekend uh, in, a, in a seminar and, and try to convince these people that they're ready. And with coaching, they can do a reasonably good job, but never what they do if they had some really genuine training and had some time to take in all the, the, uh, the things. It's and, like auto-tune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. make anybody sound good, oh, yeah. right? And, sure. and then they have to go out and perform live, yeah. and it's uh, it's, yeah. it's a disservice. But I guess there are a lot of them out there. You mentioned that in your book that imitation is very important. You say imitation is a very significant component of the learning process, not only as it applies to voiceover delivery, but in other artistic areas as well. Oh, yeah. So you have to be someone who can imitate. So mm -hmm. should we listen to these guys or, or women uh, on television or, or movie trailers and try to imitate? them oh yeah oh yeah yeah you learn a lot by imitating hmm. i mean everything you know life is imitation uh you learn your character by imitating other people you admire hmm. people who influence your life uh, i still remember the five or six teachers i had in school all through and a lot of what's in my character and the way i approach life i can directly relate back to them 
but but uh, I mean, composers learn by the first thing they you do in in composing um, classes is learn to imitate the masters. I mean, right away we started with Bach chorales, then we went to Beethoven, we went to Mozart, we, we started going into counterpoint the next year, and and we started by imitating everybody, and and uh, um, that. That, that made a tremendous difference. Artists do the same thing. Mm. Artists learn by imitating. I, I had one of the surprises of my life. Uh, I went to Barcelona. My wife and I went to Barcelona about four years ago for the first time. I hadn't, I hadn't been to Spain at all. And uh, we went through a Picasso museum, and Picasso's widow gave these early paintings of his for this to this museum mm -hmm. and set up a whole... Um, foundation to do this and opened a gallery hmm. and they're all they all look like old masters paintings picassos and they were beautifully done i mean you'd never believe these were, were picassos hmm. because of everything i've seen since you know but this was very early on when he was cutting his chops and and wow. uh, yeah hmm. amazing it's amazing but but it's true but the one thing that you can't take away uh, or try to... Um, you want to imitate, but you still want to be unique. Yes, yes, that's what I'm trying to say. But what, what you don't want to lose is your own uniqueness. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to make these things work within your own... I mean, for example, if you're composing, you develop your own style after a while because you become a composite of all the things you've imitated. But, of course, in voiceover, you also have to relate this stuff to your own personality and bring your own personality to bear on everything you read as if you were in real life with these things. I mean, I've said to my students, you know, I don't care if this thing is about a box of rocks or if it's about... A uh, box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you have to say to yourself, this is the best box of rocks that ever was, huh. you know, and I, and I made it. My company makes rocks. And we make very good rock. You have to commit to it because I've tried yeah. voiceovers and my wife gets upset because I don't commit to it as far as the emotion. Yeah. She sounds, you sound the same every single time yeah. and it gets her annoyed. So I guess you'd rather probably have someone overcommit to saying how they feel or they, well, they're I, being passionate. I start by saying to people, especially if they're having trouble emoting, and I, I'll look, I'll say to people um, in, in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, um, in a coaching session, I'll say, uh, I don't see the script on your face. <laughs> <laughs> and by that I mean, I don't see you reacting to the script. Yeah. It's amazing how many people, I've, I've had people who've had 12, 15 lessons who still hmm. look positively neutral when they talk. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I don't see it on your face, how am I gonna hear it in your voice? And gradually, they come around, some some better than others. I'm not going to begin to tell you that everyone I've worked with is, <laughs> has <coughs> has made that work. But yeah. but um, it's like Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory when she was a bad egg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it it's it's interesting how that works. You know, it it's uh, there's such a dichotomy with so many people between how they read and how they yeah. talk. Most people don't have any trouble talking, especially when they're sitting among friends and they're comfortable. Exactly. But when you're 
when you're doing something from copy and trying to bring it to life, mm -hmm. you've really got to use your imagination. You've got to envision that person across the table from you reacting to everything. Mm -hmm. Even if, you know, you know how when you talk to people, um, if somebody's sitting across the table in another chair or something and, and you're, you're uh, conveying something to them that's right out of your own stream of consciousness, something that's important to you, and you pause because you know that what you've just said has some impact mm -hmm. on them. And mm -hmm. we just naturally do that. Yes. And even if that person isn't even reacting, if they're just looking at you, mm -hmm. they're not smiling, they're not doing anything, they're positively neutral, you just have a feel that they're taking in what you just said, and however strong that may be, is how long you're going to pause. I mean, if I said in a, in a script, um, a thousand people were standing beside me in this square when they fired on us all, and people were dying all around me. I mean, you're going to pause a long time mm -hmm. after you say something like that. Right. Or you say... You sound like a serial killer right there, because, yeah, you well, know, it, it, but you, you, you were going to do it yeah. differently, I bet. Yeah. And, and do it with yeah. more... How would you do it with uh, if... if uh, uh, the final take on that. The final take. Well, on in other words, if you were going to tell that story to someone uh, with a kind of emotion to move someone, how would you say that? I'd say something like, um, "I watch people dying all around me. There was no one left alive but me. You know, I'd really take my time, and and." I'd have to show my own reaction yes. to it, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very important. I have to react. I always say to my students, react to everything. Hmm. React. I never thought about that. React uh, to your own. Oh, oh yeah. Even the oh, way yeah. you're saying it. Re yeah, because you have to You have to get a life. What's the word I want here? Um, life experience? Life. Uh... Yeah, a life experience. But, but, but something that likens what you are reading to something you've experienced in your own life or mm -hmm. you've read about or something that's affected you very deeply. Yeah. And you've got to go through the same thing all over again. I've heard salespeople, sales trainers, they say they want you to look in the mirror and to say, I'm an excellent salesperson. I am an excellent salesperson. They mm -hmm. want you to feel it. That's a they different thing. It's that's, different. That's but a little different. At the, at the same point, I mean, yeah. I'm not fighting you, John, but no, I'm just... <laughs> no, no, no. But, no. but no. at the same point, it's putting them... In a, in a mode where they're feeling what they're actually saying. And, oh, yeah. and I think that oh, yeah. uh, getting pumped up that way to come yeah. in, somehow it all, that visceral thing that happens yeah. when they well, feel that, it that and therefore you feel it. motivation more than, uh, but, but um, um, I think that you have to relate as a, as a life experience to everything you do. And, mm. and, and one thing that's unique about this business is this... Uh, um, when you're doing a script and you go back and you do another take, mm -hmm. uh, you may do it in the middle of a sentence or you may go back, you know, after you've read the whole thing, you go back and do another take. You might do five takes, you might do ten takes, especially mm -hmm. with a commercial. Um, so when you do it again, I always say to my students, throw out the, the person you were talking to, the person you're imagining yourself talking to, throw them out of the room and bring somebody new in. So you've got a whole new thing going. That's unique about this. Nowhere yes. else in life do you run into that kind of a situation. And you, where, you yes. where you have to replicate what you did before so that there's no difference in, yes. in the take because that may be the take they use and not the first one. 
And isn't that funny that all the different people that you meet, and we'll talk about a little bit that you were working with a construction worker that made it in this business. Of mm-hmm. course, we'll mention that. But you meet people from all different walks of life, but they're oh, able yeah. to bring that brand of experience, mm-hmm. what makes them unique or even mm-hmm. seasoned into voiceovers because mm-hmm. people think, well, hey, I'm just maybe uh, older in years or younger. I'm just getting into voiceovers. Mm-hmm. But you bring out the unique qualities of each individual. One magic word. Yeah. Empathy. Mm. If you don't have empathy, you can't do voiceovers. You can't mm. be an actor either. You, when you must say have empathy. Empathy for who? Anyone. Yeah. Anyone. You must be able to get inside other people's heads and feel what they feel hmm. as much as possible. I think about the actors that, you know, they delivered a line mm-hmm. their way, mm-hmm. okay, but it was imitated by everybody. So you think of someone like uh, Dustin Hoffman. I'm walking here. Mm-hmm. I'm walking here. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. Are, are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. And everyone imitates it exactly. They didn't try it their way. They're doing mm-hmm. it the way mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Robert De Niro did it. Mm-hmm. So maybe we underestimate the unique way that we talk. And sometimes we try to sound like that announcer. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, that may be the one of five things they've done in their lives that works. And there are about 50 others that don't work. Mm. And they shouldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't get into the business. You know? So let me ask you a question. Let's just say there are 100 people, mm-hmm. and they have all these examples, or you have them in your book. Mm-hmm. There, there are hundreds of them, and mm-hmm. that they're going to help people as far as interpreting, copy. To your ears, what separates a good interpretation from someone else? How can one person stand out among 100? Understanding the meaning of the script, getting into the emotional content of the script and making it real, mm-hmm. bringing it to life, personalizing it, um, taking your time, understanding how to pause, when to pause. Powers, pa- pause is a powerful weapon, mm. powerful weapon. Um, but that's what you you need to... to um, to be able to get into that quickly. And this this is, I, I call this the minute rice of acting. You've got to get into this fast. Hmm. I mean, you've got to be able to do these things quickly and have the instincts to do it. And, of course, that takes a lot of practice over a long period of time. And you're talking time. about not just making mistakes, right? to be able to Oh, read yeah, everybody quickly. makes mistakes. Yeah. You know, make, make mistakes, but you've got to be able to pick right up and be hmm. right where you were and not lose that focus and not lose that, you know, there's, there's always an emotional milieu for everything you do. Mm. And and you got to stay there, you know. And I always say to my students, when you when you start this script and you end it, it's it's a totally different, um, it's a totally different mood. It's a totally different kind of message. It's 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 something of itself, and you got to decide where that's going to be for you. And you get into it, you start it, and you take it all the way to the end, and you don't change that that mm-hmm. that milieu. You you stay there, and then. When you're all over, you can be back to your humdrum life. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, you have to come from a real place and you have to lift it off the ground, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. And I always say to my students also, don't be ordinary. Mm. Whatever you do, don't be ordinary. Mm -hmm. Ordinary is what you do not want. Yeah. That's what what my wife hates about the the way that I do voiceovers. 
Well, you probably need some coaching. <laughs> I'm going to call, call you. And by the way, and we're speaking with John Burr, and John Burr is one of the top voiceover coaches in the country. In his book, The Voiceover Actor's Handbook, How to Analyze, Interpret, and Deliver Scripts, uh, has been lauded by a lot of the top voiceover professionals and coaches because it's a missing piece because they're in, I've looked at books, okay? Very few of them. I don't know. I think there was one that was written in the 70s, to be honest, was the only book that I could really find that takes the time to talk about nouns and verbs and you underline the accents and things like that. And I mean, my goodness, you could. Can I call you Dr. Burr? You could have been an English uh, professor. (laughs) Well, could have been a surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) But you you are a surgeon when it comes to voiceovers. You've taken the time to do this. And so um, so when it comes to success stories and people that you work with, uh, what are maybe just three things that you would notice that if people pay attention to your teaching, that you can take them to the promised land of voiceovers? Listen carefully in in instruction. Uh, What I always tell my students when they start is, uh, in the lessons, and I record all my lessons. Um, so they can take them home and work with them. And I said, work on the stuff that you have trouble with. Don't work on the stuff that that is easy for you because you're not going to learn anything. And you're also going to get into some very habit, bad habits of not dealing with challenges <clears throat> when they appear. And, and what's the old saying? You know, if, you, if you've got five jobs to do, do the most difficult one first mm-hmm. and then work your way down. Uh, but but I say to my students about um, about the coaching sessions. You know, when you're working with me, I am leading you to water. When you go home, you drink it. Hmm. So, really, the bulk of the learning is going to take place when they're working with what they've done in in the class, listening to what they've done, recording themselves, and refining and refining and refining. That's that's how you do it. You give out gold stars? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, right right <laughs> between the eyes. Right between the eyes. My mother, she used to teach piano, and I remember she. I used to get jealous, you oh, know, yeah. watching her put gold stars on, yeah. on the people. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, people want to feel that they're doing good work, you know, and, and I try, I always try to praise students when they're, when they're really doing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm never going to, and they, my students know, I'm never going to, praise them for something they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't do that. Um, and and also, if I think somebody isn't practicing or somebody, you know, is, is shirking the the uh, uh, their they, duty. They ain't doing their homework. <laughs> yeah, they aren't, they're not doing their homework. I will tell them. You know, I say, look, yeah. you gotta, we got to change this thing mm-hmm. here. And from time to time, I will drop a student that I don't think is doing it. I'll say, look, you know, we're, you're not, you, you uh you said you wanted to do this, and I'm beginning to think that you really didn't mean it, and you don't know that yet. But but I'm here to tell you that you don't mean it. You're a good teacher. Only a good teacher would do that. My mother, once again, just talking about her teaching piano. The kids, after selling that line, mm-hmm. they would start crying mm-hmm. because the reality of it is oh, sure. they they re- didn't really, even though their parents wanted them to learn piano, yeah. they didn't really want to. Anyone ever cry? Anybody what? Anyone ever cry when you said, look, this isn't oh, for you? Oh, yes. People get emotional oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Men, too. Really? Men and women, yep. 
Because for some people, mm-hmm. that this is a form of income because mm-hmm. they can work from home and to realize that mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't in their heart and you have to you have to really love to do this. What about this thing in front of our fa- our faces? It's called the microphone. It's uh, right in front of us here. Is that what this is? Yeah, this thing right here. Oh. And uh, people react differently. You talk about volume. Do ever people like Jerry Lee Lewis, they get in front of the lady and it becomes so loud. But you say in your book, volume like pace is applied in small increments. Since we are working so close to the microphone, we cannot go from a near whisper to a shout as in real life. The recording equipment won't take it without distorting from the shouting. So we have to learn. What's the difference between someone who just gets into voiceovers and learning about this microphone versus a professional? Well... You have to you have to remember that that this is an intimate medium. Mm-hmm. People confuse this sometimes with stage acting or or uh, public speaking or that sort of thing, and there nothing could be further from that. Um, <clears throat> this is this is an intimate medium. This is like film acting. This mm-hmm. is up close and personal. And I always tell my students to think of talking to an audience of one, for the most part. And if you're talking to even what could be a large group in real life, if somebody is doing a narration for a video, say a piece about a medical piece or something like that, procedural thing, whatever, um, when you do it, think of a group of people, maybe four or five people right around tight at your table that you're talking to. And that's that's what Mm. it is. Because all of this can be turned up when it's played back as a final produced product with video say, for example, mm-hmm. or just audio alone. So it's, it's always an intimate medium. So when you, whenever you, I mean, you can create a, a, a sense of distance from between people up close. If I said, uh, I love you, Alice, that's up very close and personal. Mm. Or I could say, if you come down off that ladder, we can talk. Hmm. Or if I say, uh, wait till the traffic passes and we'll get together and talk. See, um, they're all illusions of great distance, but they're not loud. Yes. See? Now, if I were doing it outside, it'd be altogether different. I'm you sure know? you've run across people who just, maybe they're from the Bronx, I don't know. Now, I'm from Long Island, New York, okay? Mm-hmm. But sometimes people, they talk loud, and they're talking loud in front of this microphone. Mm-hmm. But have you ever had people that, that talk too low? And you have oh, to yeah. Tell them you gotta, yeah. You've got to raise your voice Not a very often. Most yeah. people talk too loud. Mm-hmm. Loudly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Um, that's just a question of working on them and, and just uh, bugging them to death. And, mm. and uh, I, it, it, I, I have a wonderful analogy I use for that. I said, think of the microphone as the side of someone's head and you're talking into their ear hmm. from a distance of about five or six inches. Uh, you're not going to scream in that ear. You're no. going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. It, it works. It works. I'm sure there's well. some wives out there saying, honey, listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> don't shout! Yeah. Don't shout into that yeah. Uh, yeah. that microphone. Yeah. You're an elite group of uh, of company when it comes to voiceover coaches because there are thousands of them out there, but there are only a few that actually people say you got to buy that book. Okay, so you're one of the people that people care about. Talk about uh, your fellow peers who are voiceover coaches. Okay, mm-hmm. and the book again is called The Voiceover Actor's Handbook: How to Analyze, Interpret, and Deliver Scripts. We're talking to John Burr. What are some of the things that you find? in common or are you friendly with some of 
obviously you're some of your peers, the people, uh, do oh, you yeah. ever, uh, as they yeah. say, you ever chop it up with them and <laughs> talk with them and yeah. uh, about the field? And, not, uh, not too often, yeah. only, only when we get together. Um, two of the big names in the business, one is Elaine Clark, Mm-hmm. Uh, who wrote the first definitive book on voiceover <clears throat> called There's Money Where Your Mouth Is, mm-hmm. and uh, Harlan Hogan, who's written two books on voiceover. And uh, they've done seminars for me, and, we, and, you know, we get together and we talk about stuff, we talk about everything, if, you know, mm-hmm. we go to dinner afterwards or something, um, and we get a chance to kick things around. But um, I don't really get to talk to other coaches that much, mm-hmm. Um because you're busy. To be honest, I don't have that much time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, um, <clears throat> but I know what most of them are going to be saying anyway, you know, because I, I know what they're, how they're thinking with this. Mm-hmm. And um, um, in this same breath, I have to say that, that uh, very few people, I think, do narration well. Mm hmm. I think narration is the most difficult of all the voiceover uh, things. Well, I think characters and accents are too, but but among the mainstream voiceover work. Um, and I have a great deal of admiration for people who do narrations well and also who do book, audio books well, because those are very difficult. They're also very long format things. You really have to keep your wits about you. You have to stay focused. And you also have to be able, I mean, an audio book, you have to do over a period of days. Mm-hmm. So when you come back to it, what you just ended with has to match up what you're beginning with the next day. And it has to be the right level, it has to be the right pitch, it has to sound seamless. So it can be edited together and no one will know the difference. Mm-hmm. And this is also true if you have to do a pickup on something you did like a month ago. I remember, oh, I don't know, 15 or so years ago, uh, Somebody came in who did a thing for us about five years previous, and they made changes in it and didn't want to go through the whole thing. They just wanted to pay for pickups. And she couldn't do it. A very professional person, but she just could not get back into where she was five years ago. Yeah. And and couldn't imitate herself. We is that normal, or is the that, whole thing all over from scratch? Is that normal? Or is that is that a bad call on her part, or is that something she should have tried? Or I think it's something she should have been better at, considering the yeah. the uh, amount of experience she'd had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was better at commercials than than narrations too. Do you have to love people in the kind of work you do? You deal oh, with a lot so. of different yeah, people. I think, yeah, I think I think you need to have great sympathy for the human condition. Because I think you need to be able to identify with the people you're talking to and, and kind of get a feeling for what they're, how they're going to react to you. I, I very definitely think you need that. That's, that's a, um, getting back to what I've said about empathy, how important empathy is. And, and uh, uh, empathy is really identifying with people and their feelings. Hmm. You know? Do you always look at someone and see the diamond in the rough? Someone who... You could see past what they presented first, oh, or what yeah, they I've could to, be. I've got to do that. How do you do that? Instinct. Instinct. Mm. Um, number one, I'm always looking for commitment, perceived commitment. Mm-hmm. I want to know. You say you're committed to this. Are you really committed? And I'm not always right about that. You know, uh, people can come in and and do a great song and dance to me and say I really want to do this and 
when it comes down to doing the work, they just aren't as, you know, and, and I'm not condemning them for that at all. Right. I mean, that, that's something they've probably had to discover for themselves. You know, it's just something that uh, uh, people, a lot of people just don't know themselves well enough mm -hmm. to, to realize that, uh, hey, maybe I'm not committed to this, as committed to this as I thought I would be. Okay, so you love people. And you've been doing this I've for... Not all people. <laughs> not oh, all no. people. <laughs> Don't go there, John. Oh, no. But, but you've been doing this for over, thir over 30 years, 40 years? How? 30 years. Over 30 years, mm -hmm. okay. Anything get a little tedious sometimes? I mean, you love it. You're busy all day long. I not, not nine to five, but maybe even earlier than that. I mean, you're, you're, no, I don't, you're I don't, working. Nothing don't, tedious uh, about it. No, I, I usually start work at sometimes eight, but normally... Okay. Normally nine to five. I mm -hmm. don't work evenings normally. Okay. Once in a while, I might do it for mm -hmm. somebody who's going away or has got other problems or something. But, and I work Saturdays, uh, Saturday mornings. I'm almost always full Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a bit of Saturday afternoon. Sundays are sacrosanct. Mm -hmm. um, and once in a while, it just you know as as the years as the year wears on. Um, as students uh, go out into the the voiceover world to get work, and uh, uh, someone new comes in, my schedule may change. I may have like mm -hmm. a very easy Friday for six months, and next thing I have a very easy Tuesday for the next six months. It just it changes, you know. Well, I imagine the most rewarding thing is watching where people go oh, i mean soaring oh, yeah. from oh, coming yeah. in saying i know nothing about this business yeah. and you're getting you're getting calls from seniors in florida sometimes people who are retired mm -hmm. and you're getting it from young kids who may be 16 years old or mm -hmm. the parents say that you got to talk mm -hmm. to johnny johnny mm -hmm. i think may have a thing all different type of people maybe yep. even actors and actresses oh, yeah. Yeah. singers so, singers yep, yep. So the whole gamut, but yep. there was a gentleman in particular, he was a, a construction worker, and just briefly, uh, if you'd mentioned, and he came to you and he lost his job, and and then he found uh, a success in this business, and I think you mentioned he was making like a six-figure income. So it can happen. People should know that. Oh, yeah. That uh, oh, where yeah. you are right now, it's, uh, you can, you can. But I, you know, I want to be very careful not to make promises to anybody mm -hmm. either, you know, because everybody's different, and, and, uh, um can be any number of reasons why why people don't succeed and and of course one of the big ones is that when some people get out there and uh, for example if someone's and i'm not picking on this person at all uh but say someone's worked maybe in a in a job that's been pretty steady over the years pretty hard to find these days but um someone may who who has worked for the i've had some students in washington for example who who uh uh, we're in the State Department. Uh, I had one guy who was enormously talented, Princeton graduate, uh, very bright guy, and uh, he and his wife just loved to travel. They were retired, and I would say, "Hey, I got this job for you," or "I had this job for you," and and I couldn't reach you. And so, oh, we were out in Colorado. We were out, you know, traveling in the van and so forth. And I say, "Well, that ain't going to work because he." Um, in the studio. You know, that it was a lifestyle that they both wanted and didn't realize. And it didn't bother him that much. You know, he loved the experience. Um, I love the guy. We're great friends now. Um, but that's the way it is, you know. There are, I remember another guy that uh, uh, was recommended by one of my students. And he, he was one of the, um, um, he was one of the editors, one of the 
four or five editors of the, of the of Time magazine. Really? Yep. And I loved the guy. He was huh. brilliant. And he came, he had moved down to Washington, and he came and worked with me for, oh, and he was very enthusiastic. I went bound and ball out, bought all the gear ahead of time and everything. And and uh, and uh, one day he just picked up the phone and called me, and he said, you know, I've looked at this, and he said, I love it. I love doing it. But he said, it's getting in the way of some other things that I wanted to do. Hmm. And Bad answer. <laughs> well. <laughs> no. No, no. Um, there were other things. I mean, this guy was a very yeah. bright guy, sure. you know, um, and and world traveler, you know, and he he just had a lot of a lot of connections and very busy. Probably mm-hmm. had a more active social life, and and uh, but a good social life. I mean, mm-hmm. where he's sitting down with peers and so forth, and and. Uh, um, so there were a lot of other things in his life that he was getting a lot of fulfillment out of. So, and he certainly didn't need the money. I mean, the guy yeah. was, you know, he was very well off. And and uh, and I told him, I said, I certainly understand. It's sure. fine, you know. You don't um, have to be, a, you know, uh, this is on life. Broadway. And, this is uh, life. You people, know, right. It's. I mean, just the fact that people take an interest in the various reasons, I'm sure you know, why people take an interest in voiceovers. And, uh, of course, the ones that want to do this full time. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a rare breed because, mm-hmm. like you're saying, the amount of commitment that it takes and mm-hmm. uh, to practicing. And, again. Very challenging. Yeah. People very haven't written this type of book for the very reason, I'll, I'll say, because of the work it takes. Because... You iron out systematically with the English language the kind of emphasis, the nuances, mm-hmm. uh, the pacing of what it takes. You spell it out for them. This is no one is doing this, and I mean, John, it won't get me as many students as some of these mills will, but the students I get are quality, and that's yes. what I want. And that's why people. I mean, yeah. again, it's very rare that mm-hmm. other voiceover coaches are pointing to a book like this, The Voiceover Actor's Handbook, and saying you got to get this book for your library if you want to have a chance to succeed. So just one question, too, I want to ask you. You, you, you read a lot. You're an avid reader. You oh, have yeah. A bookshelves. Yeah, I always, I always ask my students if they read. Why is I, that? Huh? Why is that? Well, because I think you have to be literate if you're going to do this, especially if you're going to do narration work. You've got to be a reader. You have biographies. You have... I have everything. Books on all different subjects. Does that make a person, do you think, more, have more empathy in voiceovers? Sure. How? In life. Well, because I, you know, I I read a lot of investigative reporting books, angry pieces, you know, outraged pieces. I read wonderful stories about people who picked themselves up by their own bootstraps and made something of their lives. And that's very inspirational, you know. Mm. Um, other stuff just for fun, just funny stuff, you know. And uh, I've always been a big reader of the comics, too. I read the comics every day. Do you really? And I have collections of some of the great cartoon, uh, the comic, not cartoon, but but, but comic uh, writers. Um, um, I have all the Pogo series, for example. I have... Um, um, Do you look at life like that? I mean, as far as in comedic terms, because... I mean, oh, I think you've got to look at things in comedic terms. If you can't laugh at things, yeah. you might as well be dead. Hmm. I just, uh, you know, there's there's so much misery in the world, especially these days. Um, and I th- you've got to laugh. You've got to laugh at yourself too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to you've got to uh, 
you got to see the lighter side of life. I yeah. mean, that otherwise you can't get up in the morning. <laughs> That's true. You know, you just can't. Well, people seem to have a fun time doing voiceovers. And uh, just to I let you know, I went to seminary. There was a seminary professor. And in the audience, in the classroom, were kids from Mississippi and from Kentucky. And he was he wanted everybody to know that your nuances won't go over well everywhere you go. And he said, and, and gentlemen, there's something that you should know. It's something called standard American English. Get to know it. And he talked about certain words you may say, get is get. And so you have fun here with uh, on chapter 22, most often mispronounced words, a whole bunch. Yep. And it's probably amazing. Uh, can you say dialectically speaking, or as far as from a, a dialect, just how many words that people get wrong. And, mm -hmm. of course, uh, casting directors, I didn't even realize. I always say our, but it's our if you're talking about our our car. Well, it's interesting. The British say ah, ah, <laughs> you know, this it, is our car, yeah. you know. Um, and in some cases, now I grew up in New England. So up there, it's ah, ah, car. A car. <laughs> Pack the yard and have it. In, yeah, pack like the car and have it. Yeah. Right. Yep. So last question here. If you had five things you want to say. Now, there's someone who it's deep in their heart to get into voiceovers. They hear about your book, The Voiceover Actor's Handbook. They call John Burr up, John Burr Voice Dynamics. And there are five things that you could tell people with your wealth of experience, what are five things, if only you could say five things to them about the field of voiceovers, what would you say? Don't do this unless you really want to. I mean, you've got to have the passion for this. You've got to be willing to do the work, be willing to do the homework. Read. You must read. You must be a reader, big reader. Hmm. That's very, very important. Uh, you must read and read and read. Um, I think it's important to be to have a good sense of acting, to have empathy. That, that's you know I've I've uh, I've alluded to that several times, and um, I think it's important to to um, um, to apply your life lessons to all of this. Always, I mean, you've got to. I think the richer a life you live, the more you have to bring to the table. To go to that place where people have experienced hurt or pain or joy? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, I've, I've read many, many books actors have written about that and how important it has been to them and how how being able to identify and this come down to the empathy thing, you know. Anyway, number four, uh, be sure that you're practical enough in your consideration of this to... Make sure that you have the basic financial uh, base to cover your training, to get you through everything, and to get you through the marketing phase and the building of your business. And I would allow probably enough <clears throat> in, a, in and to last you uh, a good year. Mm. Um, if you have a spouse that can fill in the blanks and, and work while you're doing it, as one of my students has, um, well, several of my students have, actually. Um, and I think the support of the spouse is very important. I'll just add that as an afterthought. I think that, that doing that is, is very significant. 
if you're going all in because they, yeah. there are the pay-to-play sites and you know after maybe the thousandth edition and you don't get a response from someone yeah. you have to realize that it's not all about how many times you audition it's how many times you work at your craft with a coach yeah that's true and Perhaps. i think i think you also have to be aware and i the best voiceover people i've ever known always come back the best actors do this too they come back and work with somebody because they need an objective look at who they are and of mm -hmm. course that has to be someone like a shrink not a shrink but but someone who has that kind of insight into your personality and your uniqueness to say, hey, you can do this better if you do this or you do that and so forth. And people who have been in business 10, 15, 20 years still do this. They're committed. And you may have to be like a shrink because people can be hiding or oh, not I, coming from a real place. Yeah, and yeah, you have I'm, to say, I'm, look, I'm about 75% shrink. Nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll consult with you after this. <laughs> and then there's number five. <clears throat> number five, uh, market yourself to death. Uh, leave no stone unturned. I mean, spend every minute you can on marketing. Uh, look at all the, the, the various, and there are several books about, out about it. Um, and I would read those. Some of them you'll glean a lot from. Some of you'll glean one or two things. Some of them you may glean nothing. But uh, And you have to find your own way. I don't care how many people you talk to. Um, everybody makes his own mistakes or mm. her own mistakes in this business or any business. You know, it's, it's like starting a business. Yeah. It's like opening a restaurant, opening your own boutique store or what have you. You know, it's, it's, it's no different. You have to have mm. capital. You have to be concerned with cash flow. You're concerned with the time it takes to get you up and running, um, all of those things. Mm -hmm. But you must market yourself. And a lot of my students have fallen down on that mm. because they haven't been practical enough to realize how important marketing is. I think it's any endeavor, really. But uh, yeah. in voiceovers, people think maybe, well, they'll hear my voice and yeah. they'll, they'll start oh, yeah. calling me once yeah. they... But it, yeah. you have to be a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. And you have Don't to market. call us, we'll call you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> John Burr is our special guest. John Burr has been a voiceover coach for over 30 years. He's considered one of the top voiceover coaches in the country. And he has a book called The Voiceover Actor's Handbook. How to Analyze, Interpret, and Deliver Scripts. And by the way, if you're looking to pursue a voice or get a voice, a career in voiceover acting or broadcasting, this handbook will teach you how to do it flawlessly, not to read a script, but to deliver a script with empathy. And we appreciate uh, all your experience and wisdom, and thank you for being on the program. Thank you for having me.